Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. Unfortunately, I'm not joined by Steve today because he had a small surgery and needs some time to recover. So we wish him the best of luck and a quick, speedy recovery. So today it's just going to be me. So given that it's just me, I wanted to start this episode off with something that I find interesting, which is football. So let's get down to it. I wanted to do a starting XI featuring nothing but Liverpool and Man City players. So I'll go through each position and pick which player I think is better from each of the teams. That will help us determine which team should be favourites and which team is overperforming. So I'll be going for 4-3-3 with a CDM in the midfield. Uh, I'll start off with the goalkeeper position. Between Allison and Edison, I think I'm going to have to go for Allison because he just he doesn't have the CTE that Edison has, and Edison makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, he is better at playing the ball out, but Allison is a better shot stopper, and I just think he adds more stability to the team. So I'm going to go for Allison in goal. In the right back position, it's between really, in my opinion, Trent Alexander Arnold and Kyle Walker. I do like Walker, but I think that I'm going to have to pick Trent because of just what he brings to the attacking side of the team. I know he's not as strong defensively, but I feel that attackingly he's so, so useful that it's, it's just, it'll be stupid to play Kyle Walker instead. So I'm going to go for Trent at right back. In the centre-back position, we've actually got a lot of really good players here. So we have Virgil van Dijk, Konate, Matip, Ruben Diaz, Laporte and John Stones. I have to pick two. I'm going to definitely give VVD the starting eleven position. And I think I'm going to put Ruben Diaz next to him. I think Ruben Diaz and Laporte are second and third in the list. But Ruben Diaz is a bit younger and I think he can still grow a bit more. So I'm going to go for Ruben Diaz and Virgil van Dijk. So in the left back position, you have Robertson and you have Jao Cancelo. Now, I appreciate Jao Cancelo might not get as many assists as Robertson. Uh, but I think it's very close and it's just dependent on personal preference. So I'm just going to go with Jao Cancelo because I like his style of football just a bit better than Robertson's. But it could go either way, this one. The defensive midfield position is either going to be Fabinho or Rodrigo. I would go for Rodrigo because I feel like he's had a great season and he is the younger of the two. So if I was creating a team, I think I'd, I'd rather go for Rodrigo. I think he also has a bit more room for development as well. Uh, Fabinho is fantastic, but he is kind of getting older and he's not as good as he used to be, in my opinion. In the two CM positions, we're looking at either KDB, Foden, Silva or Thiago, Naby Keita or Jordan Henderson. I think KDB has to be the first name on there. And the second name will be for me. This might be a bit of a controversial one, but I'm going to go for Bernardo Silva. I feel like he's a very good utility player he can play in a variety of positions and he's very underrated i think silva deserves a lot more respect than he gets i'm going to put silva and kdb in the cm positions so up front on the left we have sterling Grealish, and diaz i'm going to go for sterling again i think he's a very underrated player he's very versatile has got great numbers yeah he's just a very very underappreciated winger in my opinion so i'm going to put sterling onto the left up front, we have Mane, Jota, Firmino and Jesus. I put Mane as a striker because that's where he's played a lot this season. Uh, I'm going to go for Mane as my main striker. I think Jesus, he's good, but he's not good enough just yet. I think Jota's just air and Firmino is way past his prime. 
on the right wing position, I think it has to be Salah. I know that there's Mares in that position as well, but I just feel that with Salah's numbers, it would be ludicrous to not put him in there. Though I do think that Mares has more technical ability than he does. So now we come on to the age-old question of which manager is better. Who would I want coaching my team? I actually think that what Klopp has done at Liverpool is more impressive than what Pep has done at City. And so based off of what they've done in the Premier League and how they've managed their teams in the Premier League, I'm going to have to go for Klopp. I think Klopp would be a better manager of a Premier League XI featuring both Man City and Liverpool players. So yeah, that's my team. Please let me know what you guys think. I'll post this on TikTok and I'm looking forward to hearing your opinions. So next, again, given that this is just me, it's going to be a whole bunch of waffling. So that was the football bit done, which lasted about three to four minutes. So if you don't like football, there you go. You know, the torture's over. We can talk about something else now. So I thought what I will talk about is actually the Batman movie, because we actually were planning on doing a review of this with Steve, but he didn't watch it. Then he did watch it. Then there was a world war breaking out and so on and so forth. So we never really got the chance to discuss this film. Uh, but you know what? Now's as good a time as any. So discussing the Batman film, I think it was a great introductory film to the Batman. And most people are comparing it to the Nolan movie with the Joker. So the Dark Knight Rises, I believe. The reason why I think that's a bit of an unfair thing to do is that we had already established who the Batman was. And now we were building on top of that using this very, very enigmatic you know, a very charming, almost <laughs> a villain in, in Heath Ledger's Joker. So you didn't really need to flesh out Batman as a character. You could focus primarily on the villain, which was which was the Joker, which is a, a huge character, uh, one of the most iconic villains of all time. Whereas with Robert Pattinson's Batman, we didn't even know what this Batman was, what he was about. And bear in mind, this Batman is only in his second year of being Batman. So I think actually we would need to compare this to the first Nolan film. Now, I never particularly liked the first Nolan film. And so I thought that in comparison to that one, I thought this was great. I thought this was a great introductory film to who the Batman is. I like the aesthetic and I like that they tried to keep it somewhat realistic. I think this Batman would be a lot harder to suss out than Bale's Batman. In that Bale's Batman had such insane gadgets, like his Batmobile was so insane that Surely, if you only had one, you know, major billionaire in the city, you would immediately know that he's Batman because, you know, that was something that always took me out of it a little bit. You know, the guy's got a flying Batmobile that can transform into a variety of different things and what, no one's suspecting the billionaire? But then I guess in that movie, how they covered that up was, was that Bruce Wayne had created this aura for himself as a playboy and just a, basically a piece of shit. And so nobody would ever put him into that category of a person who would don the cape and go out there and fight crime. Whereas with Pattinson's Batman, he wasn't really going out. He was a recluse. He was a bit of a weirdo. He lived in, you know, this giant tower and, you know, looming over the city and all of that. So maybe an argument can be made that that version of Batman would actually be easier to, to spot as Bruce Wayne. But again, this was at the very beginning of his crime fighting career. So you don't really know where he's going to go with it. Maybe he'll create that persona as well. But in this movie, he was a bit kind of kind of like an emo kid. 
um, and they had Kurt Cobain's music playing in the background. So it kind of fit the aesthetic. I really liked the work that everyone on the movie did. So finding out Colin Farrell was playing Penguin was insane. I mean, the prosthetics that they put on him, they took one of the most handsome men in Hollywood and just made him look like a typical uh, Italian mobster. And he had the whole accent and everything. It was a bit cartoonish at times. Like the way he was speaking almost felt like, should I laugh at this? Is this, you know, would this be racist for me to laugh at it? Because it was very, very, he was playing a very stereotypical Italian mobster who actually put in a great performance was, I believe his name is Joe Turturro uh, as Carmine Falcone. Now he was brilliant in it. He played a very subtle role. He was menacing. He wasn't yelling and screaming. He wasn't, you know, all over the place, kind of how the penguin was, but he, he was very, very, he was a scary figure for sure. I really like the performance that the actor put in. Um, I like the performance of everyone. Not that I'm saying Colin Farrell was bad as Penguin, but it was just some of the dialogue was a bit corny, especially like, for example, when uh, Batman and Gordon had had him tied up and everything and he was waddling like a penguin and they were talking El Rata, La, the gentleman, does no one speak Italian? Like, you know, it was, uh, no, does no one speak Spanish? It was a bit, it was a bit corny, some of the scenes, but I think overall, uh, I thought the performance from the villain uh, so was, was fantastic. So I thought the Riddler was was portrayed very well. Um, I did really enjoy that. I do have a bit of a gripe with the third act of the film, though. So up until that point, Paul Dano's Riddler, he seemed to be a mission-oriented serial killer in that he had a very clear ideology and plan and he had a very clear reason as to why he was doing what he was doing. So he felt that this, this money from a foundation created by the Waynes was being used by you know, the criminal underbelly of the city and Carmine Falcone was really running everything and he grew up in an orphanage which was underfunded and no one really gave him a chance growing up. And so he had a whole plan which he meticulously crafted and got to the end. Uh, basically, he beat Batman. In this movie, the Riddler actually beat Batman because he got Batman to do everything he wanted him to do up until killing Carmine Falcone. And so at that point, he hands himself in because his mission is over. Now, all of that made sense to me, but then suddenly the Riddler turns into the Joker in that he decides that he's going to do a mass kind of shooting in... in an election stadium hall or whatever you want to call it. He brings down the city wall, it floods. It became a bit comical and it didn't really fit into it. I felt it didn't really fit into the whole mission oriented killer side of things. It just seemed like he wanted chaos for the sake of chaos. Him having all these minions, him having a, you know, a, a Twitch stream, thanking his subscribers. It just didn't really seem to fit in with the character. He was this mysterious guy who, who had meticulously crafted this plan and got Batman to help him out every step of the way. I feel like if they had ended it there when he killed Carmine Falcone, it would have been fantastic. That would have been a brilliant ending to the film. He gets locked up and then you have the little cameo from the Joker there and you can move on in that in that regard. But I just felt like in the final third of the movie, they changed his character significantly by introducing that whole plot line. It made him seem, I don't know, it just made it seem a bit comical, the way he was thanking his followers and, you know, how they all were like, okay, yeah, let's dress up as the Riddler and go do a mass shooting. It just seems, it, it wasn't intricate. 
Do you know what I mean? It was, it was. oh, I'm going to blow up this wall. I'm going to flood the city. Everyone's going to run into the stadium and then we're just going to be up in the rafters shooting at them. It just didn't make sense. I didn't like that ending of the of the film. That being said, did it take away from the film a great deal? Not really. I still, I still did. As I said, I did really enjoy the film. I, I enjoyed pretty much every other aspect. I even enjoyed the relationship between Batman and Catwoman. Um, I think, I think it was a solid eight or nine for me out of ten. But it was, it was unnecessarily long. As I said, the final third didn't need to be there. That final third of the movie where Batman is fighting in the rafters and everything that didn't have to happen. Uh, so, in that sense, I, w- I wasn't too big a fan. But yeah, I think a solid 8 or 9 out of 10. So it's still a very good rating. I mean, I don't give 8 or 9s out easily, but mm, it, it could have been better. I felt that it definitely could have been better. So another week and another MMA fighter embarrassing themselves and twerking for a boxer to fight them because they know that that boxer is going to bring them a payday like they've never seen in the UFC. And of course, this week, the UFC fighter who was twerking for a boxer is Kamaru Usman. Now, I love Kamaru Usman. I think he's a great UFC fighter. He might be one of the best to ever do it. I honestly hold him up to a very high regard. But, you know, he's doing the same thing that a lot of these UFC fighters have been doing recently, which is just embarrassing himself. And I'll read through the exchange which started uh, a Twitter kind of argument between him and Canelo Alvarez who, again, in my opinion, is one of the absolute best boxers uh, to, to be in the game at the moment. And I think by the time his career is finished, he might be regarded as one of the best ever. So the whole thing kind of started off with Ali Abdelaziz, which I believe is Usman's manager or promoter or something like that. And uh, yeah, so he tweeted at Canelo is an absolute chicken. He's fighting guys with 5,000 followers on Instagram. These guys will never do nothing for his legacy. Now I understand why he doesn't want to lose to someone like Usman. Uh, This is chicken shit, blah, blah. So then Canelo Alvarez quote tweeted and said, who the fuck is this? Laughing emojis, which fair enough. And then Kamaru Usman quoted him and said, let's just all relax before someone gets hurt, wink. And then Canelo Alvarez quoted him and said, I agree because it will not be me, punching emoji. And then Kamaru Usman replied and said, in the cage or in the ring, I'm willing to find out in both, dot, 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 are you, punching emoji. Then Canelo Alvarez quotes him back and says, you calling me out, right? You want the payday, right? So you know where, but sit down, it's not your turn yet. I have a legacy to make, punching emoji. To which Kamaru Usman said, enough said. You don't want that smoke in a real life fight. I hear you. Good luck, champ. So yeah, I mean, it was just... I mean, I find it quite quite pathetic for a UFC fighter to even say to a boxer, "Come into the come into the octagon." We all know that you would, you know, beat up anyone who isn't an MMA fighter in an octagon when you're allowed to use all of your MMA. It's a bit like saying to a butcher, "Come come and perform open heart surgery." Canelo is not a UFC fighter. He's not an MMA fighter. He knows one thing, and that's boxing, and he's fantastic at it. So, if you want to fight him, you're going to have to box him. But you are not going to be good enough to box with Canelo. And as Canelo pointed out, you just want the payday. There's no way that that Usman could ever beat Canelo. Canelo could have one arm tied behind his back and Canelo Canelo would still beat him. And so it's just embarrassing this back and forth. You're trying to force a fight to happen because you want the payday. And it's so obvious. And I think everyone sees it. I just don't understand 
why he would do that to his own legacy at the moment. You saw you saw what happened with Connor. So Connor had the fight with Mayweather. Yes, he made a lot of money, but in the long term, I, I genuinely believe that time out of the octagon and the time that he took off has ruined Connor's career. Now he keeps losing to everyone he, he fights. I mean, he's lost to Dustin Poirier twice. And you just feel that that's kind of what's going to happen to Usman if, if he keeps going in, in this way, if he keeps chasing that fight. There's no way that he can beat Canelo. He just needs to let it go. But the real bigger question and something that we've discussed with Steve on this podcast is why do these fighters do this? Well, the answer is quite simple. They do it because Dana White paid about 50 G's to Chimaev to fight Burns. And I think that says it all. You're paying 50K for a headliner to fight against, uh, what, the second ranked fighter in his weight division? It doesn't make sense, but how can you pay 50K? I mean... You have guys who are, you know, in the prelims in boxing that are getting paid 50k. Boxers get paid a lot of money, life-changing money for just one fight. For for a UFC fighter, if if you assume that they're making 50k a fight like Chimaev did, you know, to make 1 million, which I'm pretty sure Canelo wouldn't fight for anything less than a million anyway. But let's say um, you know, to get that million, they're going to have to fight how many fights? It's ridiculous and Really, something has to be done about the UFC in the way, in my opinion, they're kind of exploiting their fighters. They're trying to stop any kind of union amongst fighters being formed either. And, you know, what, what Dana kind of tends to do is he offers them shit amounts of money. They don't want the fight. Then he goes out and he does a whole press tour saying how these fighters, they don't want to fight and they're scared and so on and so forth. And they put pressure onto the fighter until the fighter does fight for subpar pay. I believe he's having issues with Francis Ngannou now. And I believe Ngannou made something about 600K in his fight against uh, Kane. Ghane? What was his name? Kane? Yeah, what, that guy. The guy who he easily beat, by the way, who they were touting as the next big thing in the heavyweight UFC fighting. But So now he's got an issue with Francis. And fair enough to Francis. I absolutely understand it. Now, Francis is also going to want a, a boxing match against the likes of Tyson Fury, which, again, he will lose. There's no way you're going to beat Tyson Fury. It's impossible. But there's a reason why these people are doing this, because they are fighters. That's what they know. And they want to be paid money that's going to allow them to sustain themselves for the rest of their lives. You know, they dedicated their life to the craft and they want to be paid in a way that, you know, shows that, that shows that they've had this dedication to their craft. And unfortunately, if if things keep going the way it is, then you know, the UFC is in danger of becoming a clown show, a circus act. You know, you've got Jake Paul knocking out former champions. It's ridiculous. Tyrone Woodley was a very, very, very good champion in the UFC. And he's got knocked out twice by Jake Paul. Isn't that embarrassing? Do you not feel embarrassment that your fighters are going out there? Surely that looks worse for the UFC. If anything, the UFC should be doing their absolute most to ensure that their fighters don't look like chumps. And the best way to do that is to provide them with better uh, income, first of all, for their fights. And they can do it. It's not like it's, it's, they don't have the money. They've got the money. They make millions off of UFC fights and pay their actual fighters peanuts. It's unfair, in my opinion. Uh, and it's very exploitative as well. A lot of these guys don't come from, uh, you know, wealthy backgrounds. They they find these guys fighting in the mountains of Dagestan and bring them down to fight in the UFC and pay them pennies. It's it's just not fair. I think Connor was the only one who really was getting paid the big bucks. And the reason for that was because Connor put them into the mainstream. What Connor done for the UFC, no matter what they pay him, pay him back, it's not really gonna, it's not really gonna mesh with what he's worth. 
to the UFC or what he was worth to the UFC. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 very embarrassing to see this sort of stuff, to see Usman twerking like that. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I kind of understand why he's doing it, but it's just, it's not a good look. And uh, speaking of boxing, we saw Tyson Fury absolutely dismantle Dylan White, uh, knock him out, I believe it was in the sixth round, uh, to, to retain his world heavyweight title. And, you know, and now he's talking about he's going to retire, but I, I don't think anyone's buying it. It just seems like, you know, he's just saying it, but surely he's not going to retire. And I don't think he will either. I think he still needs to fight Anthony Joshua. That's the fight that everyone wants to see. But I have the feeling that he's kind of ducking Usyk because of all the fighters that he could potentially fight, the only one who could go toe-to-toe with him in terms of, you know, boxing technique and boxing technical ability is... Alexander Usyk so I think what he's waiting for is to see if Joshua fights Usyk again who wins if if Joshua wins I believe that Tyson Fury will fight Joshua but if Joshua loses I think Tyson Fury is going to say oh I'm retired I'm retired and duck the Alexander Usyk fight because he hasn't he hasn't let go of the belts do you know what I mean he hasn't he hasn't gone oh okay I've retired I'm releasing the belts and whoever can fight for it so that's definitely a fight that I think should happen. Will it happen? I'm not too sure. But, you know, he, he has he has proven himself to be one of the top talents of his generation, sure. I mean, no one can deny how good Tyson Fury is as a boxer. He's, he's literally up there as, you know, one of the best of his generation. But he's screaming that he's one of the best of all time. How can you be one of the best of all time when your CV consists of, what, Klitschko? Deontay Wilder and now Dylan White. I mean, who did you really fight? Is am I supposed to be impressed by Otto Wallen? Like, I don't really, I don't really look at his CV and say, oh, this is a fighter who you know has has performed so well and beaten everyone in front of him to the point where he's just undisputed. I definitely dispute it. I mean, I'd like to see him fight Anthony Joshua. I'd like to see him fight Alexander Usyk. You know, I wouldn't even mind watching him fight whoever wins out of um, Parker and Joe Joyce. Do you know what I mean? Have a few more fights, man. Add to your legacy. In the same way that actually we just discussed, Canelo is kind of on that legacy thing at the moment where he's trying to fight fighters to kind of bolster his his grandiosity as a boxer. I think there's no shame in losing as well. This is another thing. You know, if you lose, it just means you fought, you fought someone who's worth losing against. And when you look at somebody like... Anthony Joshua, he's got he's got bodies on his on his list. You know, he he's he obviously fought an older Klitschko, sure, but he's fought Takam, he's fought Povetkin, he's fought Dylan White. You know, grow, grow, growing up into that champion that he became, he fought whoever was in his path, whoever was willing to fight him, he fought them. Yeah, he lost to Ruiz. It is what it is. You, Ruiz came, and on the day he was a better fighter, he went back and he beat Ruiz. Now he's lost to Usyk. Maybe he'll go back and beat Usyk again. You know, that's not really relevant in my opinion. What what matters is that he actually did fight them. What we're seeing a lot of is guys trying to, you know, protect this perfect quote-unquote record. But really, I mean, taking an L doesn't mean that you're suddenly out of the discussion when considering, you know, who's the best of their gen or who's the best of all time. All the greats have taken Ls. You know, everyone's really obsessed with this Mayweather 50-0 or Rocky Marciano 50-0 or whatever record it's not really the make and break of what is and isn't a good boxer i think it's it's perfectly fine for you to have an l or two on your on your record as long as you fought people worth losing against that's not a problem uh, so yeah i'd definitely like to see tyson fight again 
And, and like I mentioned, I mean, the fight that I'd like to see the most maybe is is the AJ Fury fight. But like I said, if AJ loses to Usyk again, then obviously it should be Fury Usyk. And then the winner of that should maybe fight AJ again. Uh, I, I just don't rate Wilder as a boxer. I just don't think he's a good boxer. But I would like to see him fight Dylan White because he ducked Dylan White for a very long time. And I feel that Dylan White that we saw fight Tyson Fury was nowhere near the prime of Dylan White, which is really a shame. Uh, I think it was what three years where he was a mandatory for Wilder, and for three years he didn't he didn't get that fight, which is ridiculous. It just goes to show the corruption within the world of boxing. But you know it is what it is. So I have tried to waffle as much as I can, um, but I think I'm out of waffle for the day. I, there are some other stuff that maybe I could discuss, but I think it would be better if I discussed it when Steve's here. So for the time being, thank you very much for listening to this old man waffle. Uh, and, you know, please keep supporting us. You know, your support does mean the world. And the only reason why we've continued to do the podcast is because of your support. So please just uh, tune in every week. If you can, give us a rating on either Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to. The ratings are really important because it helps algorithm push us forward. So I would really appreciate if you guys could do that. Share it on your stories, you know, send it to your friends. You know, you don't have to force them. You don't have to be forceful on your friends, but just send them my podcast. Maybe they might they might enjoy listening to it. Uh, but yeah, that's all from me for today. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you hopefully with Steve next week. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? You? That was bloody brilliant.